Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe in Bingo podcast. Yours truly, Solomon Wilcox on Bally Sports, Ohio. And right now, I want to welcome to the show a very good friend, of course, CBS Sports game analyst, Charles Davis. Of course, he works for everyone. He works with me <laughs> at Sirius XM NFL Radio, still at the NFL Network. And Charles, thank you for joining me today. How you been doing? I've been doing great, Solomon. It's so great to see you and, and be on with you and spend a little time and, you know, be, that working for everyone thing. It's that <laughs> double-edged sword, right? That's right. I feel like in a lot of ways we were raised similarly in terms of parents that weren't weren't allowing us to not get after it, right? That's it, right. That's our parents right. weren't having it, okay? That's right. That's right. And then as we kept hustling – because you're the same way. You work here, you work here, you got here, you're here. And you've been doing that your entire life. This is not new for you. This is how you've always done it. Mm-hmm. The double-edged sword of it is, then our parents are like, so uh, when you going to settle in on one thing? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, when you can't make the weddings and you can't make all the, the, all the reunions, right? You, Nothing. You know, they're like, what are you doing? What are we doing? <laughs> And I'm like, you did this. That's right. This is your work. That's right. And my mom and dad, I mean, they're they're both in their 80s and they're still going at it. Still hustling. They they will still outwork me. Right? (laughs) And and they're looking at us and you're like, well, where do you think it came from? That's right. And so we keep it hopping. Hey, look, talking about going back to work. And I know you've, you've been in the meetings with Zach Taylor, with Joe Burrow and uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, and they were finally able to get one, Charles. Week five, they go out to the desert and they find this rebirth. We've been waiting for this calf injury to get better with Joe Burrow, and it looks like it has. And the, uh, what, 34-20 to 20 win over the yeah. Arizona Cardinals, he moved around better than he has at any point in the previous four games. He looks to be back. Um, what are you seeing with Joe Burrow and how much – did you see the old Joe Burrow in the week five contest against the Cardinals? I think you nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. We're not doctors. We're trying to play them here on, on a podcast. But I think we have educated eyes, and we've been around guys that we know that are playing dinged up. You played dinged up, you know, when you were out there, but you knew how because you had some savvy. Okay, if I'm dinged today – what do I have to do to make things better for me and put myself in the right position so I don't hurt my ball club and I can still make the plays? You knew how to maneuver and work that with your body. Joe Burrow, remember what he told us before the week one? I've never had a soft tissue injury before. Yeah, yeah. That was foreign territory for him. That's right. So he was trying to figure out how to maneuver and and and, and work everything through. It certainly felt like, one, he figured it out. And two, what you said, he's healing like that. The healing process is taking place because, as you said, his movement finally, because he was able to really help that offense. And then when he planted that back foot and pushed off and threw that big one to Jamar Chase, I said, yeah, I think he feels a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, Because Joe Burrow averaging, what, five yards of completion, Solomon? Yeah, well That's below not, his average. Who is that? Yeah. That's not Joe Burrow. Sunday was Joe Burrow. That's right. And he's a guy that's tremendously courageous. I mean, oh. and a tough guy as far as quarterbacks go. 
I would rate him up there with some of the right? toughest that I've ever seen. I'm talking the Andrew Lux, the Ben Roethlisberger's, the guy that the more you hit him, the better he gets. You know, I thought Brett Favre kind of had that going for yep. him. But sometimes, Charles, as you well know, the uh, heart is willing and the body's just not able. I mean, you can want to go, you can want to give it. But that's what I sensed in those early games. He was really trying to give it his all. But the yep. rust from not participating in training camp, and then the inability to push off and explode and move in the pocket, which he does so well. When that was not part of his game, he was trying to figure out another way to get it done. And unfortunately, defenses were taking advantage of it. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. And I'm going to ask you to jump in on this one because at during your playing career, right? You remember the size of quarterbacks back then. You played against Mastodons, right? That's right. Because the rules were different. And you can darn near hit them with the bench. That's right. And there was no flag coming out. That's right. The official was just like, you okay? You know, yeah. see if he can get up and go. Nowadays, the rules are different, et cetera, et cetera. But when you were playing and you watched a guy like Burrow and you knew he wasn't 100%, didn't you kind of rally the guy? Hey, fellas, 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 fellas. Yeah. Right? That's right. Wasn't that a big part of it? We got to get after him. You got to get after uh, quarterbacks who are wounded. There is no doubt about that. And you've got to be able to try to make that work to your advantage. And I thought, yeah. particularly we saw that in Tennessee when he played against the Titans, they knew they had someone who was a little bit more lame. They had played against him several times and they knew they weren't moving his launch points, right? right. He was going to stay in the pocket and they, they smothered and overwhelmed <laughs> the line. And people wanted to blame the offensive line. I always say, look, if you send more than they can block, they're going to get to the quarterback. <laughs> they're Mike good. Vrabel, they're not that good. That's right. And Mike Vrabel understood that. Hey, look, let's give the um, let's give the Bengals a lot of credit because I yeah. thought that uh, going up against Arizona, I think coming off the Titans game that Jamar Chase was not happy. No, because he felt like, hey, I can do more. Yeah, he help. wanted to do more. He wanted to get the ball. There's no doubt about it. And so they did get him the ball. And when they got him the ball, he made big things happen. Here was a guy that was willing to carry the, the, the team on his shoulders and give Zach Taylor a lot of credit for designing a game plan that was going to use their best weapon, that is Jamar Chase. And for listening to Jamar Chase and understanding where Jamar Chase was coming from when he told the world, I'm always open. That's right. Because – we were, we're we're media guys now, right? We we we've been doing this for a while. We know that as soon as he said, "I'm always I'm always bleeping open," you and I both knew. Well, that's what's going to be clipped and played everywhere, mm-hmm. and that's what's going to go on sports talk radio, and that's what's going to go on all the zooms and the podcasts and everything else. And everybody's going to say, "Oh, there's trouble in paradise." He followed it with, "And I know Joe Burrow is going to get our offense right." That's right. How often did you hear the second part of that? That's right. Did not Almost much, none. Not much, not much. And Zach Taylor made a point of saying, I listened to all four and a half minutes. Yeah. And I loved what he had to say because he's trying to figure out how to get our, get our team going. That's right. And he did exactly what you said. Throw it to me. Put it on me. Mm-hmm. Let me have a chance to lead this team. And I would say, what, 15 catch, 192 yards, three touchdowns. Ooh. I'd say that that's someone who lived up to what they were talking about. And, and, Coupled yeah. with Burrow feeling better and now having, as you pointed out, the ability to move, the ability to throw it deep, it all came together. And ladies and gentlemen, 
Those are the Bengals that everyone goes, oh, shoot. We got to yeah. get ready for that. Remember, T. Higgins didn't even play. He's, he's still what I wanted to ask you how, I mean, I, I would suspect that a defense is, okay, we're going to double chase, and we're not going to let the other guys. How were they were able to be so in, um, so deliberate and so intentional at getting Jamar Chase the football in so much that he set a franchise record with 15 catches in the game without T. Higgins on the field? How is that even possible when you don't Crazy, have your right? number two and number three guy? Crazy. You, you know Terrell Austin, defense coordinator now with with, uh, with, with Pittsburgh, had been the D.C. With, with Cincinnati, and he's had great success in the league along the way. Yep. Saved the end of the Cincinnati tenure when it just got rough, but sometimes it just happens that way. Yep. Terrell designed a great game plan this past week and did a nice job against the Baltimore Ravens overall. And I talked to him before a game, and I said, what's been the biggest disappointment so far? You know, the biggest thing that that's puzzles you about your defense – he said, when we know a guy is good and he still beats us. Yeah, it's the worst thing. And that's what you're talking about. That's right. They knew Jamar Chase was coming. How did this part happen? The head coach, Jonathan Gannon, made his bones and got the job because he was a D coordinator in Philadelphia. So it's not like they didn't know. But I also think it was superior designing by Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, because they've done a really nice job of taking Jamar Chase and moving him now yep. to different spots. You can't just zero in on him in one place and, and kick everything that way. When he moves, the defense has to change and move. And sometimes the right cover guy goes from the right guy to the wrong guy. Yeah. And patience in what he's doing. Like that second, I think it was the second touchdown in the end zone, or maybe it was the third Solomon. It was a double move, That's but right. not a deliberate double move. It was a double move because Joe Burrow was able to keep the play alive. And Jamar Chase realized his quarterback needed a little help and found the open spot. So when they're in sync like that, you may design defense all you want. <laughs> yeah, that that, that guy, he's that good. Yeah, that experience that Burrow and, and Chase have of working together, you can see it materialize on that play. And also you could see the health of that calf muscle for Joe Burrow becoming better. He was not moving anywhere like that in the first four weeks. I mean, you no. he was not buying more time. He was not moving in the pocket. And again, I'd still consider him one of the best quarterbacks oh. in movement in the pocket. He doesn't run to run. He runs to throw to help the wide receivers uncover um, and find time to get open where they can make a play like what you just described. Um, real quick, yeah. I want to talk about the defense a little bit because the young Cubs are starting to come up. We saw mm -hmm. more of, of, um, of DJ Turner in the game yeah. uh, without um, Chidabeo Wuzie. Uh, we saw uh, Cam Taylor Britt. I thought he turned the game around just before halftime. Joe Mixon, as you well know, was stopped on third and fourth down right at the goal line. And so now the Cardinals take over that possession. And then Cam Taylor Britt gets the pick six to flip the score. At that point, the Cardinals had scored, what, 14 unanswered points? Yeah, 14 unanswered. They were rolling. That's right. And so that, that was pivotal. But I thought more importantly between a Dax Hill – a DJ Turner, um, and then obviously Cam Taylor Britt, these young defensive backs are starting to come on from Lou Anaromo. Your thoughts? I, I agree with that totally. And, you know, Cam Taylor Britt got that baptism of fire last year when he had to go in and play a lot more than they expected him to play. Yeah. But by the end of the year, it didn't matter that the veterans were back. They still wanted Cam Taylor Britt on the field. That's right. Mm -hmm. And he's continued to grow from there. 
And from your experience, you saw those young Cubs grow up and you could tell the day that it was kind of happening. Well, Cam Taylor Britt's already there. Turner is starting to make his move in that. And the other part of it, people have to understand, youngsters in Lou Anarumo's scheme, it takes a little time. Oh, yeah. Lou is is a thinking man's (laughs) defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. And when it knits together, boy, it's beautiful. But in the beginning, their heads are just swimming. And that doesn't allow you to play. Now they're starting to grasp it. Cam Taylor Britt's totally grasped it. I mean, this this young man is a terrific player. It, it, he's just gonna get when he when people really lock in and realize how good he is, yeah. look out. And Turner can just flat out fly. I like what they're doing there. It's starting to come together for him again. They played the run game much better in this one than they had been in in, in past few weeks. I think we're starting to see much more of Cincinnati. I'm not about to say, okay, they're back totally. But Joe Burrow's health and Chase, that ignites a lot of things for that team. And by the way, no one in their division is going to run away and hide. Now, hey, one poignant moment in the game. Charles, I think you'll like this. Tells you a lot about our coach, Zach Taylor, who's yeah. a wonderful young man, and I know you already know that. Yeah. But there was a poignant moment at the end of the game. He cleverly, um, overnight, they put Kwame Lasseter the second on the 53-man roster, knowing that he was going back home to play in front of friends friends and family, um, got him in the game at the end and made sure that Joe Burrow threw one more pass over to Kwame Lasseter Jr., um, who caught the pass for a two-yard gain, and the crowd goes off. (laughs) team was elated. Now, you need a lot of things to go right for that opportunity to present itself. But we've known his father. We knew him, the late Kwame Lasseter Sr., who was a phenomenal young man. Um, and I just thought the world of him. To see that moment happen and to have Zach Taylor, to have, you know, just enough of a feel for his team and his players to want to make that moment a reality for the son, I, I just thought it was phenomenal. wanted to get your thoughts on it. Tells you about him understanding history, understanding people, understanding what family means, and being able to demonstrate that to his team. Because those are the sort of things that that galvanize a ball club and make guys want to play for you. Because you have to think about that in advance. It has to mean something to you. like, And then to not really announce it, to not just figure out when the right time, the whole deal. Remember Zach Taylor, brother Press Taylor's offense coordinator in Jacksonville now. He's the son-in-law of Mike Sherman, the former Green Bay Packers head coach, Texas A&M head coach. Yeah. Football history, family history crashing together. Yeah, It's kind of like when Brian Callahan – it's like when Cincinnati plays Cleveland, Brian Callahan and his dad, Bill, hug. That's right. Bill's the head coach in, in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That means something, and it just tells you a lot about who he is as a person. Yeah. I mean, Cincinnati understands. I mean, you win a playoff game, the guy's showing up at some local establishment with the game ball. How many coaches do we know that would even think? Yeah. That's like the guys we played for, we loved, I would say, right? We always had an affection for our coach most of the time, right? For our coach and what have you. Mm-hmm. Somebody else on the staff would have taken the game ball. That's right. Yeah. It would have been the head coach. Yeah, they're too busy now. They don't They don't have time for the people. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, Taylor, Zach Taylor 
He's like he's like Bane, but in a good way. He's, he's giving back to the people. He's giving back to the people, baby. That's that's you got. But but Salman, as a player, as a player, how cool is that in your oh, locker right. room? Yeah, because now you know he cares. Yeah, yeah, it makes it makes uh makes a world of difference. I mean, for players to see that kind of emotional investment that your head coach has in the players, the players they reciprocate. There's yeah. no doubt about it. And they give back that same kind of attention uh, for their head coach and the same kind of energy that's needed. Hey, want to want to look ahead a little bit because um, next week, week six, the Seattle Seahawks are coming yeah. to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. And for help our, our fans here in Cincinnati to understand what this week six matchup is going to be because the Bengals need this game just to get back to 500 at three and three. And Seattle feels like they are really starting to cook, you know, to, as I start to channel my inner Pete Carroll here. I don't have the gum to chomp on, but, you know, <laughs> That's right. That's I'm going to try and get there. But he feels like it's really starting to come together, and he feels like the best is truly out there. Because remember, they laid a giant egg on opening day with the Rams mm -hmm. at home, and the Rams came and clocked them, and none of us really saw that coming, right? Mm -hmm. Since then, progressively better geno smith is not a fluke this just in geno smith's for real continues to be but if you're a fan of old school seattle like that seattle with legion of boom and all that i'm not going to put that on them because that's way too much but they're playing into that vein again that style kenneth walker zach charbonnet running the football they ran it really well in their last uh in, in two games ago against carolina and they did it against the Giants as well. And they don't still don't have their offensive line intact. Those two tackles they drafted last year have been out since really week one, where they haven't been able to get on the field. And in fact, the Giants game ended with no one in the position that they started the game with. <laughs> they had to make all these moves to finish yeah. things off, and they seem to keep moving and moving along. They do it that way. You got big receiver out there with Metcalf to throw it to. You got Lockett. I'm waiting to see Jackson Smith and Jigba, the first round pick out of Ohio State, get unlocked. Yeah, because right now Solomon, it's 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 bubble screens to him. Yeah, it's it's now routes. He's catching the ball within one or two yards of the line of scrimmage, and I and we've seen this kid do damage. I mean, you're right there in Ohio. You've seen what he can do. People I'm waiting for them to unlock him. Here know Jackson Smith and Jigba. I tell you, that. people know, right? Oh yeah. So I'm waiting to see oh, that yeah. part get unlocked for him, and defensively. <laughs> Jaron Reed is playing really well up front and keying yeah. the run defense. Mm -hmm. So they're getting better there. I just think that, you know, Pete Carroll's right. By the way, the first-round pick, Witherspoon Ooh. out of Illinois. Ooh. You remember, they had a chance to take Jalen Carter. Yeah. And my, uh, many of us thought that Jalen Carter was really in play there, and they took Witherspoon. Mm -hmm. And, boy, did they nail that one. That young man is something because it's not just cover. He's going to tackle you. And he slid inside in the nickel. And you can tell everybody playing the nickel is not for not for everyone. That's right. That's and he slid right. inside and done it like he's done it all his whole life. And he never even did it at Illinois. He looked like he looks like a veteran. He's he a does. Rookie. One month into his uh NFL career, he looks like a tried and true veteran. And oh, by the way, um, they have another corner on the other side who's now in his second year in Tyree yeah. Pullen. Who can lock you down and pick your pocket all at the same time? So and, po and post you and post you up in the afternoon in. three on three. That's right. <laughs> like, That's six, right. like six four. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. 
So they've got a really good team coming in that Pete Carroll always has this youthful energy where his team is always having fun. I mean, they're like kids at a candy store. And you're right, they're not Legion of Boom 2.0, no. but they do have the same Mike linebacker and Bobby <laughs> Wagner in the middle. And, and it's like they're shaping into that. Yeah. Uh, he and yeah. Jordan Brooks, I think, are two of Ooh. the best tandem of linebackers. We've got a couple. We I think the Bengals have a really Bengals good tandem have the tandem. linebackers as well. But these guys are pretty good. I, I agree totally with you. And that's that game within the game. And, and as usual, you're all over it. Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, his inside linebackers are a heck of a force. Yeah. Cincinnati with Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt. Yeah. I just saw another duo that's awfully good as well. Roquan Smith and Patrick, Patrick Queen in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. We don't, we, we keep talking about devaluing running backs. Yeah. We've kind of done the same thing with inside linebackers. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about them and what their meaning is and, you know, the whole thing. Well, guess what? These Those, those three right there, those three duos, yeah. they make huge differences for their teams. And on Sunday, you're going to see two of them go against each other, not obviously on the field at the same time. But it'll be fun to watch how they work in tandem together. And, and by the way, I think we found out that while the Cowboys are good on defense, they're not the best defense because no. the, the pair of linebackers that they have in San Francisco and Fred Ooh. Warner – and Dre Greenlaw, Dre Greenlaw equally is uh is phenomenal as two of those guys we just named. Hey Charles, real quick, let's take a tour around uh the NFL. I want to get your thoughts on a few things before we let you go. Let's start with what we're seeing with the New England Patriots. Times have changed for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. They're sitting here now at one and four. Belichick's teams have never been one and four um, during his tenure as a head coach. They've now lost back-to-back -back games by 30 or more points. That's never happened in no. the 29 years that he's been a head coach in the National Football League. Uh, and you and I, we esteem Coach Belichick very highly. Very much so. However, I got to ask the question, yeah. uh, has the game passed him by? Is it time to go? We were all asking questions about this team, the yeah. roster construction, even before we entered the 2020 season. the season began, yeah. I, I don't think the game's passed it by by any stretch. Roster construction, I think that's kind of where we are. Yeah. We had them last year. I don't know if it was Cincinnati, Miami, one of those down the stretch. And they were in the game, you know, typical Bill Belichick team. This that's why, as you mentioned, the 30-point blowouts are so stunning. Yeah. Because even when they don't when even when they don't have whatever the other teams have. They muck the game up so much that it's close. <laughs> that's right. That's it. Yeah. That hasn't happened. So that's a major shocker to us. But last year, I remember they had a chance late in both ball games. And I remember saying the one thing they don't have is anyone that scares you that's on the other side, like on offense. Like yeah. no one that you just throw out there and go, oh, hey, 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 hey. Right. In the scouting report, you're like, hey, we better make sure we know where he is. The speed, the you know, the the playmaking, they're dependable people. Absolutely. Yeah. Scare you? Eh. And that's what you wonder about. I love Ramondre Stevenson. I love Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Are they going to scare the heck out of you on defense? Or are you going to yeah. respect them? And I think that's where we are with the roster construction right now. Who is that going to be? And then that defense has been so good and kept them in it, but it took a couple of hits. Man, Matthew Judon out. Then, then you're losing Christian Gonzalez, who's playing so well as a rookie corner. At one point, they had lost 
the top four corners, starter and backup, starter and backup, that makes it very difficult for you. Yeah. And offensively, they're struggling. They only scored three points in the last two games. They've yet to score 21 or more points in a single game so far this season. This is an offense that's struggling. And now it's a defense that's lost their best pass rusher. And Matthew Judon looks like he's out for the season. And Christian Gonzalez, their best cover corner, the first-round pick out of Oregon, looks like he's going to be out for a period of time as well. Got to move on. Next question. San Francisco 49ers have scored 30 or more points in every single <laughs> game they played so far this season. All five games, 30-plus points, and they dismantled the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night. Are they the best team um, in a complementary way, offense, defense, special teams, and they're so methodical in how they go about dismantling you on offense? Uh, right now, they're the most impressive team, the best-looking team so far this season? To me, no, to me, no doubt about it. And that's not to say others haven't been good-looking, but I think you knitted that together perfectly. Complementary, a word that gets tossed around a lot. Yeah. But rarely do we see it work together where in the meaning of what we're talking about. You nailed it. Offense plays for the defense. Defense plays for the offense. Kicking team fills in quite fine for when they're needed and when they're necessary. Offensive scheme design is off the charts. The defensive players have such a great pride about who they are and doing it in a so-called 49er way. People have to remember that they've gone through three coordinators on this run now. Robert Sala. Ended up taking, they were in a Super Bowl with him as, as a coordinator. He gets a Jets job, right? And then coming in behind him um, was uh, uh, D'Amico Ryans. Yeah. He did such a phenomenal job. He's the head coach in Houston doing a terrific job there already. And now Steve Wilkes comes in. Each of them brings a little something different to the table. All three smart enough to know what works. And I don't have to change for change's sake. But let me throw a little something extra at you maybe they haven't seen that comes from my way of doing it. And those guys grasp onto them as well. I think all three of them figured out how to approach this team and approach these key players to where you can get them to do the things you need them to do yeah. while allowing them to do the things that they do best. And I give all three of those coordinators great credit for recognizing and doing it. Because, Solomon, how many guys we, we played for, that's the way I do it, so you're going to do it this way. I've seen them screw it up. Mess it <laughs> up. Them, I've seen them screw it up. Even when These guys down, have not messed it up. They have not messed it up. And they leverage uh, the good talent that they have, particularly in that front seven. Uh, Nick Bosa, um, you bring in Javon Hargrave. You bring him over uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles, began his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. This guy is as good as they get when it comes to putting his hand in the dirt and making plays. And yep. the 49ers are really off. Uh, to a great start playing with Brock Purdy, who's yet to throw an interception so far this season. So crazy. Uh, wish him the best of luck. Last one, we want to talk to you about the Miami Dolphins. Now over 2,500 yards of total offense in the first five games. That's like 500 yards of offense every single week for the first five games. Unheard of. In fact, it's an NFL record, never been done before in the 100 in four-year history of our league. I can tell you right now, if we see the 49ers and the Dolphins in a Super Bowl, you, you ain't going to have enough fireworks. I could just tell oh, you that right now. What are you seeing? Well, we'll need this? a halftime show. You That's won't need right. a halftime show. What are you seeing with this Dolphins offense, Charles? 
what I liked the most about them, Solomon, was their bounce back. Yeah. Because they ran into Buffalo, and Buffalo did a really nice job once things kind of calmed down. Because you remember, that starter's pistol, pistol fired in that game, and the track meet was on both ways. <laughs> whoosh, 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 whoosh. And then once you hit a couple of bumps and Buffalo got the advantage and they were to apply the pressure and finish things off and played really well that day. But the way that Miami bounced back undaunted, and I can hear the name, ah, the Giants, and they're playing. It's the National Football League, all right? Houston just got done thumping the Pittsburgh Steelers, who just got done beating the Baltimore Ravens. And what happened to Houston? Oh, Atlanta got them this week. This is the NFL. So you better respect whoever they're playing. And for the Dolphins to bounce back and put on that whoosh clinic against a really respected <laughs> D coordinator and Don Wink Martindale. That's right. And they did that, turned it over three times. Mm-hmm. That's how it's impre- that's how impressive they are. It's, it's like the movie Miracle when, when they were talking about uh, trying to score against the, the Russian goalie Tradiat. <laughs> and, 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 and Kurt Russell, as Herb Brooks said, if you put it in the net, you better keep the puck because it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> That's right. Uh, they, they are a fun team to watch. They're fun to watch. It's, it's the greatest show on turf for sure. How about that rookie? Oh, my goodness, right? It's going to be A-Chan yeah, because Yvonne we've been A-Chan. calling him A-Chan his whole career. I actually called my friend who's the play-by-play guy at Texas A&M. Yeah. I said, Andrew. Andrew Monaco is his name. He's wonderful. I said, Andrew, how come you didn't tell us that his name's A-Chan? He said, I've been calling, I called him A-Chan the whole time he was here. He, did, he said, I think he's just such a good young man. He would, he didn't want to correct Boy, us. Never mind. Now that he's becoming a household name, he want to make sure everybody gets it right. He's now had three consecutive games over 100 yards rushing and at least one touchdown. Uh, no one has done that in their NFL career except for the late, great Franco Harris, who did it Franco six Harris. straight games. Wow. Now this is second, the second best uh, record of 100 yards rushing plus a rushing touchdown in three consecutive games. And he's only played in five games his whole career. So, <laughs> and, 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 Frank, and, and Franco never ran that fast. Oh, no, he never. All ran respect that. to Franco. He didn't run like that. <laughs> oh, this, this, he, he's got something to do. He gets to the end zone in a hurry, Charles. Yeah, he, he doesn't have time to waste for it. He, he, he's like he's like the family cat that just jumps up for no reason, just dashes into the other. I got to be somewhere. Gotta I'm be sorry. Somewhere. He's got gotta go. to go. Well, Charles, hey, thank you for stopping by to join us. We greatly appreciate your Thanks for having me, Solomon. Expertise. The Cincinnati Bengals fans are going to enjoy it. We want to thank you for stopping by. We want to thank everyone for joining us on this edition of the Believe in Bingo podcast right here on Valley Sports Ohio. We'll see you next time. Make sure you check out Bet Online for all of your sports betting needs. For anything that I do betting related, I go on over to betonline.ag and I use promo code BELIEVE50. BetOnline has all of the latest updated odds for the NFL and college football seasons. Anything you need, whether it's futures, live in-game betting, no matter what, your football betting needs are met at Bet Online. And again, make sure you use that promo code Believe50, B L E A V 50, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E. AV on YouTube.